Welcome to Dad's Talking Dollars, the podcast all about helping all the dads out there make better decisions with their finances and take some stress out of your lives. We'll help you get on top of your loans, mortgages, interest rates, kids' education, and much more. And whether it's a holiday with the family, a new car, a trip with the lads, whatever you want to do, we're here to help you achieve it. Welcome back to another episode of Dad's Talking Dollars. I'm your host, Nick Saxon, and across from me is my trusty sidekick, Daniel Brown. Looking good, champ. Cheers, Nick. Finally, give me a compliment. <laughs> no. Just once. Don't don't get too excited, sure. all right? Okay, I'm recorded. Is this recorded? I think we're rolling, okay, so um, yeah, you can keep that little part as well. Very uh, very excited today because um, we're sitting in the presence of, of a particular person who's been... A bit of a, a bit of a local lord in Newcastle, um, serving up exquisite meals for many, many years, and hosting some of the finest talent from not just Newcastle as well, all over the world. We are sitting with the one and only Brian Lazat. Brian, I never thought of being the lord, but no, no, it's just Brian Lazat, and thank you so much, Nick. It's great <laughs> to be here. Thanks, Daniel. It's uh, very honoured to to be included in this little podcast today. Thank you. My pleasure, Looking mate. It's good it. to pin you down. I mean, you're a very busy man. You've got a lot going on. You're not just a dad. You're a grandfather, I believe, as well. I am. I've, I've three times and then another another one on the way as well. And I've got a few uh, step-grandchildren as well. So I've been uh, look for, looking forward to being busy on that department too. A new frontier. We've never had grandfather. This is our first grandfather. And step-grandfather, yeah. all in one. I know. How exciting, how exciting. So no time for golf then, I'm guessing. At the I, I play. I still play golf, sort of four times a year. I sort of, sort of, sort of every every quarter, I get to, to play quarterly to swing. Punt. Yes, quarter, quarterly uh, <laughs> stick. Uh, get the chance to face face the uh, the, the inevitable of a, of a bad round at how's, least four times. How's a year. your game, mate? Are you, are you a patient player, or you, or you just go guns blazing? A little bit of both. So come out guns blazing. And then a little bit tail between my legs, be the club between my legs at the end. It's all good. It's all part of good times, though. You know, I don't play golf like you know, I, like I don't fish to catch fish. I don't play golf to get holes in ones. Yeah, you like me, camaraderie. It's more about the That's it. who it's you're playing with, not so much. Day the on the goal. green. Mm. Yeah, I say that because I'm terrible at golf. <laughs> <laughs> I just make that up. I was like, I'll come play golf. I can carry clubs for you and yeah. you know, have a beer with you, but don't expect me to be any kind of stiff competition. Yeah. When my next-door neighbour gave me his wisdom around golf, uh, this may or may not get edited from this, <laughs> he said, if you play golf, that will end your sex life. So I stopped playing golf. <laughs> <laughs> get the priorities right, Got to be trying to be good at something in this world, don't we? Absolute pleasure to have on your show, mate. Dad's talking dollars. We always start traditionally with a dad joke. So God, I'm going to offer this up jokes. to either of I, you. Who I wants get, to jump in first? Guess first. Guess get to go first with the dad jokes. Okay, I usually get in trouble with this one. But um, here goes. He goes, why do seagulls get called seagulls? Why do, why do seagulls get called seagulls? Well, if they flew over a bay, they'd be called bagels, wouldn't they? <laughs> 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 All right, Dan. A ham sandwich walks into a bar and orders a beer. The bartender says, sorry, we don't serve food here. 
It's, it's the dad joke this section. Is, this, this is good. This is good. I'm going to check mine and out. For I've yours. written mine down here. Like, so, my wife said I should do lunges to stay in shape. That would be a big step forward. <laughs> and that's why we don't have any more followers from the week before. That's right. yes, <laughs> and it's the goes, last one that we did have just turned it off. Okay, Brian. So, let's let's dive into the past. We've got a lot to talk about today, but let's start, you know, let's, let's wind the clock back and tell us where your passion for, firstly, food began. Ooh, well, um, it has to be from, from family and, and obviously growing up in a, in, a, in a household with seven children. So food was always, you know, pretty, pretty important uh, for a family of seven. And, and when meal times came, we were all very, you know, very family orientated and in the old days when I was brought up, it was definitely a family thing where you'd sit down and you would have that family meal. So I guess, yeah, home-cooked family meals um, became, you know, and mum was a pretty good cook, you know, and uh, over the years she she was very regimented on... on um, as I got older, we always had the fridge to look at and mum would put the meals and she would plan it every, day, every week and she'd go shopping to the the actual exact shopping list of, of what she was cooking every night. There was no de- deviation. You knew that you'd come home and that would be on the table. The only surprises might be, you know, a couple of snacks that she might have baked um, that afternoon if, uh, from while you were at school. So I guess, yeah, just the fond memories of, of food in that sort of, you know, family environment. So as I got older, um, you know, I first wanted to be a, a carpenter when I left school and then when my parents said, you sure you want to, you know, you know, just maybe stick it out one more year at, at high school and, and see how it goes from there. And there was a hospitality course in catering and hotel management. And I thought, and then the bell went off. And it was like, food, I'm going to stay in food. And I, I always had the music part of growing up as well, but was never driven by the music. It was always a, just about always a part of my life. So... You know, when I when I finally realised that it was that it was food that I wanted to, to pursue, that was a good thing, and um, I guess that's 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 where it, where it came. And then I went to catering college for three years and did a diploma in catering and hotel management, and and then worked in the hospitality industry ever since. And you're, you're a talented musician. What, were you thinking about a career in music when you were younger? Or was oh, it n- never a career. It was always it was always um it was always something that was an ad ad hoc thing that I, I did as a hobby more than anything. Mm. Um, growing up at high school, I, I was in the music band. I was in, in the West Australian Youth Jazz Orchestra for a little while and I, I was in big bands and, uh, you know, the Salvation Army band kind of scenario. And I always did, I always played trombone, uh, you know, sort of part-time. Mm. It was always a, it was, it was something fun for me to do once a week, go to practice. And, and, uh, and as I got jobs in hospitality, um, I had a couple of great you know, waitering jobs and, and some of the best restaurants in Perth. And I, I never forget it. You know, we, we would we would rehearse once a week on a Monday night and then occasionally we'd get a, a gig. You know, I don't remember one night we, we got a second gig, a return gig at the Charles Hotel. And um, the big band would play and and uh, I, I'd have to ask my boss, could I have another Saturday night off? And he said, well, what do you want to do, Brian? He said, you want to play trombone or you want to make a living? And that really hit me hard. I was like, oh, that hurt. Oh, the ultimatum. Like, oh, what do you want Choices. to do? Choices. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Coastal Advice Group. They offer financial planning and specialise in helping people like you build a plan for the future. Head over to coastaladvicegroup.com.au and book yourself a free initial meeting. So I, I, I sort of stopped playing with that band and, um, you know, because we could only get gigs on Saturday nights because <laughs> it was the only night. we And we'd oh, only yeah. make enough to buy, buy a new chart to play anyway so it was, wasn't as if we were making money we'd spend more money on beer that night than anything else so anyway the Rolling Stones became to be quite successful <laughs> later on uh, any regrets <laughs> <laughs> family of seven can your parents deserve a, a medal for that oh, I was big in those days there still is I don't, any, I, don't, I don't know too many families that have seven children these days could they all play an instrument yeah, majority of us do okay. play play an instrument, and some some well, most of my my brothers and sisters still do. So you went from this uh, this passionate young chef, young young food lover. Describe the transition from doing that. You're studying it and doing a little bit out of school into the travelling musician life coming to because you did a lot of touring, right? Yeah, well, th- it all started with my travel travel time and the hospitality industry, obviously. Is a is a perfect one when you when you leave school and leave college to take off around the world and and I and I did did spend some time in the United States and then in Europe um, for quite some time traveling around and and just got jobs as a waiter and bartender and uh, you know I worked in the south of France and the on in the La La Vendue which is on the Whoa. on the waterfront with the with the super Can yachts in again? front of you and. Blah. La La Vendue. Um, That's an episode in itself. Yeah. The Adventures of Brian in France. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, adults-only version. Uh, welcome, welcome to episode 17 yeah. of Brian Lazot. Like, in, in Germany. <laughs> Brian Lazot in Switzerland. No, well, we had a ball, you know, and there was a lot of fun had, had, had there, but the whole idea of travel was only through, you know, the, the hospitality industry made it so much easier. Mm. When I was still over there, I met my brother's then girlfriend mm. um it was in london and mark was playing with jimmy um and they were playing the brixton academy theater one night and i remember going to the gig and so how, old, how old were you then i was about 25 okay. yeah 25 and um i was i got my first opportunity to see backstage catering um and so i went to the sound check that afternoon and there was the two little caterers there in the back little did i know that i'd be doing that two years or three years later uh, that would be my my gig, um, but yeah, that's how I I originally met Jep, uh, my my sister-in-law now, um, and we started this small little catering company. Um, when I got back to Sydney, uh, we put this like, what what have you been doing? She said, oh, I'm doing a little bit of studio catering, and you know, I thought oh, I'd love to do that, and then it just sort of the penny dropped, and and then so I I, I you know as soon as I got back to Sydney, I I, I linked in with her, and and we started um, recording studio catering. Um, at Rhinos Terrestrial Recording Studio, one of Australia's most famous studios, that had, you know, during those the nine, the, you know, in the nineties, we they, they had more number one albums come out of there than than, than uh, any other studio I think uh, in Australia. So it was um, then a, a, a fantastic sort of way to start. So we were catering for bands to start, and then the studio led led to film shoots and video shoots and. And then obviously concert catering came straight after that, and that's how More Than a Morsel was born. And and uh, we've never looked back. And the catering business went to to be one of the you know, the only catering companies that were we were we pioneered the whole industry in Australia, and um, we were the first catering company to 
to tour with uh, major rock bands as well and and we did Madonna the Rolling Stones U2 and you know uh, Billy and Elton and we, we had you know 12 chefs and 25 road cases out on the road and wow road case cappuccino machines coming out of out of, out of trucks at, at four in the morning and yeah so it was uh it was an exciting time i could imagine the logistics because you'd have to be planning in advance obviously for where to move the equipment how to get it there so it was already to set up plus the people and then catering for the artist needs and dietary requirements back then compared oh, to now be huge wouldn't it oh yeah it, it was um my a to z of the famous stomachs that we fed was was you know was born and, and created because of that and and yeah it was just a uh, it was an absolute you know privilege to to have that many promoters um you know consider us as the as the, as the go-to caterer when you look uh, back now what were some of those lessons that you've learned about business from there that you may be using today <laughs> the biggest lesson was don't 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 um, don't think you couldn't do it and and get and get a partner you know and and so i that's how the, the the demise of the business happened. It was that I, it was such a, a business of, uh, seasonality, that um, it was kind of hard to make money because you'd, you'd be inundated during the season of rock and roll in this country, um, and then in the winter or whenever the bands weren't coming to any great extent, you would sit there and, you know, you wonder where your next dollar was going to come through and how you were going to pay your staff, your full time staff, so. It, it was very volatile and, and I, I searched for ways of trying to balance that out and so I went to a corporate caterer and, and you know, we got into bed together, so to speak, and uh, probably was the worst thing I ever did. They, they, they kept expanding in corporate world and getting more in debt uh, and whereas I was from that lean, mean, fighting machine catering, mm. rock and roll catering company, um, and they thought of it as, oh, it's good, good kudos and... You know, we're we're now partners with these guys that cater for you know the Rolling Stones, and you know mm. this is fun, you know. But they were f- they were very much pompous sort of, mm. um, you know, sort of corporate kind of uh, blue collar or white collar people. So it they thought that you know the answer was to ex- to expand all the time, and and I just I I just couldn't handle that, and mm. it was just we were going further in, into debt, and they were get further expansion to try and get us out of debt and it was like you know that was it was we would penny pinch and we would not pay ourselves and you know i remember selling a you know a vintage car that i'd bought for my wife for her 30th birthday just to pay wages once you know and to get back into the black you know and it was a wake-up call and that's that was a that was probably the biggest lesson that i learned was don't don't go into bed with anyone that you couldn't trust you know it's almost like um that's a common, I think, when you read a lot of the business books, they sort of... Oh, like, yeah. You go, well, what are the lessons that, that they've <laughs> learned? And you go, well, well, what skills do they bring to the table? And really, it wasn't really going to be aligned to what you're trying to achieve. It was, yeah. you know, the opposite. So then it, mm-hmm. you know, that's why it doesn't seem to work in many cases. Yeah, good lesson to learn. Know your, know your strengths and weaknesses. And when you do go to partner up with somebody, definitely do your research. Oh, yeah. Every single thing that could go wrong, you've got to have a you could have the the result and the and the and the answer for. I think it's always yeah, look for complementary skills, and then if you, you know, if you're at that stage in a business yourself and you're like, what's next? Go and ask someone who's already been through that because there's all mm. this wisdom that if you reached out to Brian for example, what'd you do here? 
don't do that. It was going to cost you a lot of money and save you a lot of time. But believe it or not, there's still people that do that just give it a go anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what would yeah. you know? And like, yeah, everybody's different too. Brian who? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Did you hear that podcast he was yeah. on where he told, yeah. warned you about... No, 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 no I didn't hear it. I did it anyway. But. <laughs> I turned off at the dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to like and subscribe to our channel. You can also find us on Instagram where you can leave a comment on what you'd like to hear next time on Dad's Talking Dollars. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we work and live, the Awabakal and Warami peoples, and pay our respect to Elders past, present and emerging. Mm-hmm.